Hello, everyone, and welcome back to So Below, Healing Trauma with Respect to Our Duality. My name is Kat, and I'm your host. And in the last episode, we started talking about speaking our truth and becoming the most authentic versions of ourselves and how that was the first step that I was going to lay out for you for healing. And we'll go into more of that as well as how it ties into the next step, and that is our nurturative work, and that's our shadow work. Everything we need to do on our nurturative days, our hard days, um, those are the times when we need to really look at and examine our feelings so that we can actually move on from them and, and take the opportunity to heal it so it stops becoming a trigger or an issue for us. And one of the things that I wanted to go deeper into with that uh, to begin with is becoming a passive observer in our life. And one of the ways I want to demonstrate that is uh, with a little scenario here, and I'm going to use car trouble. So when I was going through my divorce uh, about six years ago, I was driving down to Arizona with my older brother and our kids, and we were going to go visit family down there. And my car starts having problems on the side of the road. I remember breaking down and I was devastated by it. And this felt like the end of the world. And you know, we were in the middle of nowhere and there was nothing going on. But, you know, my brother, he was just over there with the kids. He took them off on a little hike while I got myself together. And, and he was great. He was perfect. He handled it just the way you should handle car trouble. You know, it's car trouble. It's not the end of the world. And everything worked out on the trip. We got to where we needed to go. We did what we had to do. But I was distraught the entire time. It was very hard for me to deal with the car troubles. We had to take my car into the shop while we were there. And it was just, it was a problematic situation, but in the end it all worked out. And so me stressing over it didn't do anything except for add to the problem and add to the situation. Um, but then recently, you know, I had something very similar happen. I was getting ready to go do something and my car wouldn't start. And instead of freaking out, I called AAA, whatever, me and my kids went downstairs and played. And while I got everything taken care of, I just, you know, I took care of what I had to do, but I went down and played with my kids and we had a good time and we laughed and joked and it didn't ruin my day. And it's crazy how just the mindset that you can have in one situation um, can mean the difference between having an entire day just completely destroyed or having, you know, a crappy situation, but whatever, you get through it. And the problem with trauma is our nervous system is shot. It's constantly engaged. And so when something is triggering your nervous system and makes you feel upset, your reactive emotions start to take the wheel, like anger and anxiety and sadness. And these things come into place to react to the feelings that you're getting that are triggering your trauma. So when your trauma has you constantly engaged, your energy levels become like a boiling pot of water that's sitting on a simmer right before it gets boiling and it's just sitting on the stove. Any little thing that happens, that's gonna turn up the temperature. And the minute the temperature gets turned up, any situation that would have just been a simmer before immediately becomes a boil. And it becomes that way because your nervous system is exhausted. You're overwhelmed. And it's like a toddler. If you've ever been around a toddler when they are done, at the end of the day, they are overstimulated, overwhelmed, they're exhausted. And you know that the only thing that's going to make them feel better is going to sleep. But they don't want to go to sleep. And they're fighting you on that sleep. You have to like wrestle them into a blanket and swaddle them down and pin them down while you rock them back and forth. Just like, come on, baby, go to sleep. And, you know, they don't know that, they, that they're 
fighting something that's going to fix the problem that they have. They don't realize that they're fighting the fix and that's sleep. And that's kind of what happens when your nervous system gets engaged. You have a hard time sleeping, so you're not getting enough sleep. You're not taking care of yourself. And as a grown-up that feels like we have to have it together all the time, we start fighting the fix. And the fix is feeling the emotion. Because again, that's something that's really uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to examine your emotions. It's uncomfortable to be honest with yourselves. So we fight the fix and we ignore it and we avoid it. And that's why we stay at that simmer is because we've been fighting the fix. So in order to become a passive observer and stop fighting the fix, you have to actually examine the emotion. But you want to do that as a credible witness. That's another thing that we talked about in the previous episode, becoming a credible witness for yourself. And in order to do that, you have to take away the labels and the preconceived notions that you've had from before. That way you can start to look at things through the eyes of a scientist. And you want to do this work on days when it comes up. So again, these are your nurturative days. This is your shadow work. And what's really important when it comes to shadow work, shadow work is very honest. It's healing. It's looking in the mirror and examining things properly. And in order to do that, I want to start with four main pillars of self-care. And the first one that you need for healing is self-compassion. Every single healing journey needs to start with self-compassion and understanding that you've been through something traumatic. You have to allow yourself the time to deal with it. You have to allow yourself the courtesy of saying, hey, yeah, my reactions to things haven't been great. And I have done certain things, but I can understand I was reacting out of trauma. I was reacting because I didn't understand my emotions. And allowing yourself the same compassion you would give to somebody else. I mean, especially if you've been in an abusive relationship, you usually tend to look over the abuse because you can look at the person and say, oh, but they've been through so much and it's been such a hard journey for them, but they're doing so great and I'm so proud of them. Or you could even look at it and say, oh, you know, I can understand why they did it this way because this happened to them in their past. And if we can look at somebody who's hurting us, who's actively going out of their way to hurt us physically, mentally, emotionally, somebody who has gone out of their way to hurt you, if you can go and look at that person with the eyes of compassion, you really owe that same uh, emotion for yourself. For example, something I've always struggled with is my weight. I have never been one of those girls that was like a perfect size zero or, or whatever a perfect size was. I grew up in the early 2000s where everyone was supposed to be a stick figure and wear those super low rise jeans that just they didn't look good on anybody. And, you know, I had two best friends that were super tiny and, you know, I always struggled with my weight. And so I've had relationships in the past that really preyed on that insecurity that I had with my weight. And it wasn't until later on when I was able to stop and look at things through the eyes of my daughter and think, how would my daughter be able to pick up a good, healthy self-image of her body if her mom is constantly looking at herself through eyes of shame and, oh, don't take my picture. Oh, please, you know, like I'd rather like not be in a bathing suit or whatever. I never wanted to give my daughter some kind of self-complex because of my weight issues. And when I was trying to look at it from her perspective, also, like, if I look at people that are the same size as I am, I don't think they're heavy and I don't think they look terrible. I think they're beautiful. I don't see anything wrong with somebody who's my size. So why is it that I have a problem when it's me? 
And so that's something that I really had to look at and assess in myself. And that's something that's a common thing, especially for women. Um, but men have body dysmorphia too. Um, but that's a common thing where if I look at my body image issues, I can go back and I can trace it to a few certain comments that people have made to me in my past. I can trace it back to a little backhanded comment here and a little backhanded comment there. But that person was probably dealing with something and they projected it onto me. And then I internalized it and I held on to it really hard. And that is something that happens with trauma is somebody says something, somebody does something and it hurts our feelings. It sticks with us and then we internalize it and we feel like that's what it is. Because so many times we're focused on what other people's perceptions of us are, which is a crazy concept. We are insecure about what we think other people think about us. And it's when you actually like look at it from an outside point of view, it's kind of a crazy thing, but it's a very, very normal thing because we're social creatures and we all crave connection. And if you can look at it from that point of view and just say, Hey, maybe that point of view wasn't meant for me. Maybe that comment wasn't meant for me. And maybe I shouldn't internalize that comment. Maybe I should say that comment had more to do with that person. Because objectively, I can look at myself and say, I'm a beautiful woman. And so why would I want to project that onto my daughter? So now, you know, I don't have problems being in a bathing suit. I don't have problems having my picture taken. I'm more than happy having, you know, silly videos and stuff with me and my kids. I don't ever want them to have those body image issues. And so it's gotten to the point where the less I focused on it, where I was trying to project an image of not being insecure, I became less insecure. And as a result focusing less on my body image, my body started to respond more. And I just, I lost weight healthier and I got to a healthier weight that way instead of stressing myself out and worrying about it and saying I'm not enough because I'm a certain size. Instead, I spoke what I wanted into existence. Size suddenly just became a number and it didn't matter anymore because I put it through the eyes of my daughter. And how could I ever put that issue on her? Because what if she was the same size as me? I would want her to love herself unconditionally. So why wouldn't I do the same thing for myself? So that's where identifying those voices is really important. And that's that exercise that we talked about in the last episode. And this is really important when it comes to your shadow work, where you write your name at the top of it. And you write the things down that are bothering you. You write the things down that are hurting you, that are stressing you out. And you can start to go through and examine them and ask them whose voice they are in. And when you're asking yourself that, sometimes that's very hard because all of it sounds like your voice when it's in your head. Every single thing, good, bad, ugly, it all sounds like you're saying it to yourself. But deep down, you know who you are. And when you're saying those things, if you can take the time and give yourself the compassion, you, you write the, the somebody you love, you write their name at the top and you look at it and say, I would never say that to somebody I love. So I'm not going to say that to myself. And then you can ask yourself, where did this thought come into my head? And you can start to examine it in that way. And once you've named the emotion, once you've assigned it to who it belonged to, you can say, hey, that's not even my pain anymore. That's not even my pain. That's somebody else's pain. And you can name it and release it. It's like Rumpelstiltskin. Say the name three times and banish it from you. So self-compassion is extremely important when it comes to healing. 
being able to look at yourself with the eyes of empathy that you can show everybody else in the world is one of the most important skills that you can gain when it comes to dealing with something like this. You know, talking to yourself with the same compassion and kindness that you would a child. Because that's who you're talking to. You're talking to your inner child. And your inner child deserves to be spoken to with respect. You deserve to talk to yourself the way that you needed to be spoken to. And we really need to start working on our self-dialogue because words are powerful. I'm going to say this again and again. Words are powerful. There's a reason we call it spelling. And if you are saying negative things about yourself constantly, you're going to be thinking negative things about yourself constantly, and then you're going to start to believe them. If we tell ourselves something enough, we're going to believe it after a while. Eventually, it becomes true to us. You can repeat something over and over and over again, and then eventually it becomes true. So speaking kindly to yourself is really important. And when you start finding yourself, you know, putting yourself down and getting into your head about certain things and acting like you're not enough and you're not deserving, that's when it's really time to look at it and say, hey, I am deserving. I am worthy of the time and effort to heal and stop like criticizing yourself constantly and start changing the way that you speak about yourself. Instead of saying, oh my gosh, I'm so stupid. I mess everything up. Just say, well, you know, I might've messed up this time, but I can figure it out and how to do it again. So again, talking to yourself the way you would talk to a child. And it's, it's a difficult process to learn. It is an active thing you have to constantly be doing to retrain your brain. That way you can build new neural pathways. And as you do it though, it does become easier and easier. Eventually you stop saying the negative things because you've corrected that behavior. It's like a dog getting into things they're not supposed to. If you squirt them with a squirt bottle enough, eventually they're going to figure out that that's not something they're supposed to be doing. So the next step in this is self-awareness because you have to be aware of when you're making these comments to yourself and you have to be aware of the things you're saying to yourself. You have to start listening to the words you use. You have to listen, start listening to your energy too. Self-awareness is hugely concerning your energy, and it means paying attention to how you feel around people, paying attention to how you feel when you make a decision, paying attention to how you feel in certain situations. The minute you stop and you note the feeling that you're having, and you can start asking yourself why you're having that feeling, that's when you can examine it deeper. But sometimes we don't even take the time to notice the feeling that we're having. We just let the uncomfortable feeling sit in uncomfort, or we let the angry feeling just bubble in the background, and we don't acknowledge the feeling even. We don't even give it, take a second to acknowledge that there was a feeling that passed through us. We just stuffed it down. And that is a huge part of trauma is you learn to suppress, and we internalize everything. And so learning to identify that you had a feeling learning to identify that you didn't like that feeling. The more you identify that, you become better at it and it becomes a more natural process and you start to be able to filter your feelings more naturally. Um, when you've experienced trauma, filtering your feelings is a very difficult thing to do because you've had to suppress all of them for so long. And so understanding them on an intimate level is really hard to do. Um, and I'm actually going to do an entire other episode where we talk about renaming our demons, but self-awareness comes down to identifying our emotions. And, you know, so many times our emotions get negative feelings or negative names to them and negative connotations. 
you know, like anger. It's a reactive feeling. It's a a reactive emotion. And it gets a, a really bad rap. But if you take it in terms of trauma and say that your emotions were born of your trauma, then you have to look at your anger objectively and look at it as a child. If a child is throwing a tantrum, do you immediately go over and just tell them that they're, they're wrong? No, you listen to them and ask them why they're upset. You ask them what they need. You talk to them. You figure it out. You have to do the same thing with your emotions while you're regulating them. And that's what self-awareness is, is regulating your emotions and going through and analyzing them on a deeper level. But before you can do that, you just have to recognize the fact that it exists. You have to recognize the fact that it's there. And we become so used to sitting in it, sitting in the pain, sitting in the anger, sitting in the anxiety. We're used to it. We become desensitized to it to the point where it makes us numb to other feelings as well. And when we do that to ourselves, we quiet our intuition. And the biggest part of self-awareness is learning how to listen to your intuition again. Um, But more than just intuition and more than just passion or compassion for yourself, you have to have uh, self-accountability. It takes more than just being compassionate for yourself and understanding what's going on in your life and identifying the emotion. Because you can say all day, oh, I went through something and, and now I get to act this way. But trauma doesn't give you the excuse to behave badly. It doesn't give you the excuse to hurt people. So self-accountability is actually the number one pillar for me. This is the most important one. And the reason for that is my whole purpose for this is to build a community of people willing to heal so that they can build a protective barrier for the next generation and hurt people hurt people. If you're not being accountable for your reactions, if you're not being accountable for the things that you're doing, then you're not going to be healing the next generation. You're going to be passing on more trauma because you're going to start projecting your trauma. And you can acknowledge that you have it and you can be compassionate for yourself all day long, but unless you're willing to give an actual apology, which is changed behavior, then it's for nothing. And um, accountability is not an easy thing, but it also comes with some caveats. And the reason I'm saying that is because When you're being self-accountable, when you're putting yourself out there, there is a difference between accountability and punishment. Punishing yourself isn't beneficial for anybody. It doesn't help the situation. Shame and guilt are useless emotions. All they do is hurt people. They are manipulative tools for control. Remorse is a productive emotion. Remorse is an active, productive, moving forward emotion. And once you have been remorseful, made the acknowledgments that you've to fix the behavior that you've uh, had in the past, and you move forward, you need to let go and forgive yourself. That's where that compa- compassion comes back in. But compassion without accountability is nothing. Just like accountability without compassion is nothing. Both of those things will re-traumatize you if not done together. All of these things need to be done together, but you cannot be accountable without being compassionate to yourself, and you cannot be compassionate without being accountable as well. Um, That's how we're going to break cycles and move forward without hurting other people and projecting our pain onto others. 
And another way it's important to hold yourself accountable is holding yourself accountable to holding your boundaries firm. And this is where we're leading into the final pillar, and that's our fourth pillar and our pillar of self-respect. This one is so important. This is where we start to acknowledge when we don't like those feelings and we move on from them. We notice the things around us that are hurting our energy, that are disturbing our peace and keeping us from moving forward, the things that are holding us back. And we start to remove those things from our life. And that's not an easy process. It's painful. It's lonely. But removing the negativity, removing the parts of your life that are no longer serving you is the first step in a good, healthy healing process because it makes your environment safe to heal in. And that's the hardest part. After you've been through something traumatic, it is really hard to create a safe space afterwards because you don't trust yourself and you don't trust your environment and you don't trust the world around you. But creating a safe space for yourself is paramount to give yourself a voice. And listening to your own voice is so necessary. Your intuition does know what you need. And so when you listen to your energy and you listen to the things happening around you, you will start to gain a new perspective and a a new vision for yourself of who you are. And you'll start to get back to the confidence that you had from the beginning. Because if you've been around a toddler, they're the most confident people on the planet. They know they're cute. They know they're adorable. They see the look on everyone's face when they're cracking up and laughing and, oh, so cute. They know exactly what they're doing. But we lose that along the way because we start listening to other people's voices when they say, oh, no, don't do that. Oh, you don't do that. We don't do that. This is how it is. We listen to other people's voices and then we internalize those voices and they take over our own. And it's time to get back to the confidence we had as children where we understood innately that we are awesome. Each person that comes to this planet has an opportunity to be fucking awesome. And we start that way. And until we allow other people to tell us otherwise, we stay that way. And you still remain that way. It's just beneath it all. And it's under the reactions and it's under the trauma and it's under the life experiences that we have. And getting back to who you are brings out your true, unique brand of awesome. And respecting yourself enough to take the time to learn that person is so important. And it really is my goal that we can build together here. With these four pillars, they each hold up a corner for the foundation that we need to build a better future, a balanced future, one that's strong and that holds up the weight of the world. Because that's what we need to do for the next generation. We need to hold the weight of the world so that they don't have to, so that they can grow unencumbered by the weight of trauma. And I just want to end this today by saying thank you for joining me. And thank you for taking the opportunity to look into yourself and to heal. Because you're worth it. And you're not alone. This world is full of people out there ready to love you. Ready to take you into their village. Ready to accept you. I accept you, I love you, and I'm here for you. So put in the work, and I promise it'll help. I promise your life will change, and magic will enter into it in a way that you never could have imagined. Because it's a come into mind in a way I never could have imagined. I never in a million years thought my life could be the way that it is now. But it is. 
and yours can be too. All it takes is time, effort, and the knowledge that you are enough. <laughs>